and uh, welcome to a new episode of Sustainable Views, the podcast. I'm Silvia Pavoni, your host. We continue our business activist series where we talk to entrepreneurs tackling environmental and social challenges and aiming to turn a profit while doing so. In this episode, I talk to Paul Van Zyl, who has a long experience in tackling human rights and broader social issues. Among his many roles, he served as Executive Secretary of South Africa's Post-Apartheid Truth and Reconciliation Commission. In 2018, he co-founded The Conduit, a private members club for people and businesses involved in sustainability. Here is my chat with Paul. Welcome, Paul. Lovely to have you on the show. Delighted to be here. So let's talk about The Conduit. It's a physical place. It's a uh, club for um, in people, uh, but also businesses interested in uh, sustainability. And you, I know that you want to bring people together to connect them, to tap into each other's networks, to educate them, but also to facilitate money flowing towards those companies. So which of these three elements is harder to achieve? If you're trying to build a, a business that is in the trying to achieve positive social change and your theory is that that will be accelerated by bringing people into proximity with each other, you have to do a bunch of things. So you have to build trust and networking and communication. You have to inspire them with high quality content. And you have to deliver world-class food and beverage and hospitality. And then you have to allow the networking effects to kick in. And and getting all of those three right is like, you know, um, doing the tango backwards, wearing high heels. It's complicated, but when it occurs, it's magical. So let me start by asking about the physical side of these connections, because, of course, um, the Condit, you uh, co-founded the Condit in 2018. Uh, then a few years later, the pandemic struck. Uh, you uh, lost access to the building where the Condit was hosted before. You had to find a new building. And, of course, you had to navigate through the challenges of actually not being able to bring people together. Um, so how how hard is it still, if it is still hard, to... Um, work in this sector and and host all these big events and, and get people to, you know, um, flow back into connecting physically um, and also to do so in a, as an ethical business because, of course, you yourself want to uh, live by those, uh, those standards. Well, if there's anything that's going to demonstrate the importance of proximity and relationships and placemaking, it's a pandemic, right? So... Um, you know, during the pandemic, we found a uh, additional venue for the conduit, and we found this extraordinary building in Covent Garden on Langley Street, right next to Pineapple Dance Studios. Um, our our landlord is the Mercers, which is a seven hundred year old institution, but which is a philanthropy. So the rent that we pay actually accelerates our social mission. Um, but I think what the pandemic did was demonstrate that we as humans are a fundamental social species and we want to be in proximity with each other. So one of the kind of organizing principles of the conduit is this African notion of Ubuntu. And Ubuntu means um, I am because we are. And it's really a rather simple concept. It, it stipulates that we are more productive, more creative, more entrepreneurial, 
happier when we are networked together as a species. Um, and I think we see that in a lot of data, right? The highest trust societies in the world are more productive because the friction that occurs with an absence of trust in relationships slows you down. Whereas if you can build networks and relationships and trust, things happen quicker. And so the conduit is inspired by this idea of bringing together people who are passionate about positive social change um, and then using a rather sophisticated, multi-vertical series of revenue streams to be able to build a really strong and dynamic business on top of that and in so doing uh, to achieve our social goals, which is to you know, create economic opportunity, accelerate a path to net zero, try and build societies which are more healthy and inclusive and democratic, um, less racist, more accommodating to the interests and needs of women. Um, and I think those things can actually be achieved. And, you know, in our first full year of operations, we have begun to demonstrate that. And as uh, an ethical business, um, how challenging is it to turn a profit while also bearing in mind those considerations? And um, I'm imagining that you might say, well, actually, this is just how things have to be. Uh, or am I putting words in your mouth? Oh, but but and also, do you feel that uh, investors potentially are seeing this as a, a risk, maybe in, in terms of the the impact of those considerations on the profitability of a business? I think never before in human history have purpose and profit been more aligned, um, and I think we see it in our business all the time. So there are just data after data after data shows that citizens and consumers are wildly concerned about climate, um, are concerned about good governance, are concerned about conflict. The war in Ukraine, I think, has brought the consequences of conflict into the homes of Europeans in ways that arguably it, it hasn't done before. Um, and so people, if you if you rank what people care about in the brands they associate with, the companies they invest in, what they want their pensions to be allocated to. Increasingly, they want those to be values aligned. So the conduit has, as a business, has to be founded, well, is founded on a trend that consumers want. People thirst for information. They want solutions to the world's biggest problems. They don't want us to harp on problems. And we do that. So we have 200 talks a year. Um, those convene people. But in the talks that we do and in convening people and bringing uh, over 100,000 people through our doors in our first year of operation, we also then collected membership dues. We sold food and beverage. We built a thriving events business. Um, we have a very active set of corporate partners who support us. And we have a co-working business um, where people work in our space. Um, and three of those five revenue lines are high margin. Um, and so that's very valuable. Which are the three? Well, mem which mem membership, co-working, and corporate partnerships. Okay. So food and beverage is a challenging business mm -hmm. to run, which is, as everybody who ran a restaurant during the pandemic mm -hmm. will tell you, um, and events businesses are slightly better because you can achieve economies of scale and efficiencies if you run events. Um, but that blend of five revenue streams has meant that when um, investors look at a business like ours, they are excited by 
the percentage of EBITDA of profit that you get as uh, from top-line revenue, but also, and most fundamentally, the core of what we do is about trying to achieve positive social change by assembling people together, and that is a white space. You know, up to now, there is no global membership club that gathers p people together for the explicit purpose of trying to address the world's big challenges. Um, and so that's differentiating. And, you know, we're not Soho House. We're not Annables. You're we're anticipating not five, my, my... We're not, we're not five <laughs> Hartford. And, and, and good for them. I'm you know, yeah. not being critical of those businesses. I'm just saying that's not us. We've, we've chosen a different path and a different segment. And that's a valuable segment to be in. I'm, I'm, I'd rather be in that than, than any other. So you mentioned uh, a potentially global ambition. You also talked about Soho House, but I would imagine that uh, you may not follow that down that path of actually having conduit um, venues across the world, or, may or maybe you are. I know that you're obviously about to open um, a, a new space in uh, Norway. We are. We, we're not going to have a hundred, but we will have, you know, perhaps two dozen venues around the world. Right. So... Um, we have a wonderful club in Covent Garden in London. Uh, a club in Oslo um, is under construction. I just spent last week there, and it's mm -hmm. a very, very exciting opportunity. We have a beautiful building in the heart of Oslo, fantastic um, impact partners um, in the form of a, a wonderful uh, firm called Catapult, which has a long track record in impact investing and social entrepreneurship incredible set of food and beverage entrepreneurs known as Flot and a wonderful ethical landlord um, by the name of Entra. So it's built on solid foundations. And uh, I think one of the things we're doing as we roll out the conduit across the globe is to make sure that, the, the, uh, that we do so based on a solid foundation, that we have local partners who both de-risk the business, but also put uh, wind in our sails. Um, we are actively uh, looking and have some very good leads in, in Switzerland, um, in Portugal, uh, in Lisbon, uh, in Washington, D.C., and in New York. Um, and in each of those cities, as different as they are, there is a strong community of people who want to use entrepreneurship and capital to build businesses that address the world's biggest challenges. And if you zoom back for a moment, there is no way we will produce an economically equitable world or a sustainable world unless we allocate capital at scale and with speed mm. to tackling these problems. And, and we want to be part of, of that solution making. Are you looking at emerging markets as well? Yes. Um, I think that emerging markets um, offer enormous possibilities. So I think that there's, you know, Brazil. Um, South Africa, uh, India, and I think, you know, each of these countries may in different ways um, uh, recoil a little bit at the emerging market uh, tag. Um, but I think these are places where you have equal trends at play. You know, there are countries like Singapore, which are not an emerging market, but in Asia, where you're seeing a greater interest in um, impact investing and social entrepreneurship. Um, so, You know, we'll go to those places, but do so carefully and methodically um, based on solid foundations. So let's talk about uh, the conduit's um, work in channeling capital from investors to businesses. 
Um, you were saying that it's, uh, it's so important to get close to each other physically for to foster that trust um, and so on. Does this work also for investors? Have you seen a change during the pandemic of investors not actually, or rather businesses perhaps not being able to pitch to investors face-to-face? And have you seen what are the implications of, uh, of this lack of uh, face-to-face time? Well, if you zoom back for a moment, um, one of the things that the um, perhaps um, ineptly named Inflation Reduction Act passed mm-hmm. by Joe Biden has done is demonstrate that there is a massive and decades-long commitment to investing in sustainable businesses. And indeed, it's sort of produced a bit of an arms race uh, with the European Union, with the UK, uh, in respect of China, to see who is going to own the clean tech businesses of the future. Now, if you take that kind of macro trend and, you know, that pre-existed the the passage of the IRA, but there is a gigantic flow of capital towards businesses that are trying to tackle um, the climate crisis, but also to try and find more inclusive pathways to economic growth. Um, And so the Conduit on a much smaller scale uh, through our sister company, Conduit Connect, brings together entrepreneurs who have double bottom line businesses and that are capable of attracting capital. So in our first year of operation, Conduit Connect has gathered roughly uh, 22 million pounds of investment. Those businesses themselves have raised over 700 million pounds and employed thousands and thousands of people. Um, And I think what the Conduit and Conduit Connect try to do is not just invest and allocate capital. Um, but also bring to bear relationships because any entrepreneur will tell you that getting your investment round closed is the start of your worries, not the end, because you have to execute uh, Mm -hmm. against a business plan. And that requires product market fits. It requires a marketing strategy, a world-class team, good finances, fantastic supply chain, all the all the breaks, either earned or lucky, that entrepreneurs need. And your chances of getting those breaks increase exponentially if you are placed into a network of people who care about those issues and who are hardwired to help. Um, and that is what we, we try and do through Conduit Connect. And it's been a remarkable company with uh, incredible success, um, uh, even in its early days. So you're working with businesses, you're working with individuals, uh, well, with me as well. I have to, you know, to say that I'm a member as well of the Conduit, so full disclosure. Uh, and of course, I've been enjoying the, the uh, vast array of, of uh, programs and workshops. Uh, fantastic venue. Um, you're working with uh, predominantly then businesses and investors, so the so-called private sector. There may be also some non-government, non-NGOs involved. What about governments? Are you talking to to policymakers as well? Should you talk, be talking to policymakers? Absolutely. You will never solve any of the great existential challenges we face by a go-it-alone approach just with investment capital. You need policymakers to align the arms of government, the arms of law, the incentive structures that governments are capable of putting in place the regulations that stop abuse and excess, and they need to be crafted in a smart and intelligent way. So I'm a great believer in engaging with government. Um, The Inflation Reduction Act is an example of government playing a constructive role. Um, 
uh, I'll give you another example, refugees. So we, when the war in Ukraine commenced and the huge refugee exodus started, the conduit held a series of events um, to try and focus on not the problem, but on the solution. Um, one of our board members started an initiative um, from within the conduit that sought to create a tech platform that would help uh, Ukrainians who wanted to come to the UK to find homes that they could settle in, something that the government enabled through the passage of legislation. But there was a real um, systemic gap in finding a platform which could readily and easily connect um, refugees to um, UK citizens who had opened their homes to them. Um, and that was a really remarkable success. Um, he will blush when I say this, but he was awarded a, a CBE for that work um, uh, in the uh, annual honors list. Um, Do you want to share his name as well? Well, he, his name is Nick Vetch, and he's a founder of The Big Yellow and is a remarkable, remarkable um, business person, but also somebody who cares deeply about the world. Um, and so... I don't want to take any credit for his initiative, but um, what he's able to do is develop a solution using parts of the network of the conduit and then all his formidable um, commercial expertise. From that, we have now developed a whole line of programming around refugees. Um, and this year, we will do a series of events and conferences that try and focus on the question of refugee settlement, because I think... Far too often, um, refugees are incorrectly regarded as burdens um, and not really thought of as benefits to a society. And I think if you can find ways to quickly integrate refugees into their host countries to allow them to be economically productive, to allow them to live with dignity, to allow them to have decent homes and housing and schools, we will quickly see that they are net benefit to our societies and the West has a massive demographic and fertility problem. It needs people to cross borders and come into the West. So the idea that we wall ourselves off is a tremendous act of self-harm. So what we're trying to do at The Conduit is focus on practical solutions that harness the entrepreneurial powers of refugees. Some of them, you have to be incredibly entrepreneurial to lift up um, your home and your family and move from one place to another in circumstances of tremendous duress and to turn people into productive contributors to societies. And, and I think we've shown a track record of doing that and we will do more of that in the years to come. Very well. Thank you so much, Paul, and best of luck for the future. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you, as always, to my producer, John Rogers. We will find each other again in two weeks for the next episode of Sustainable Views, the podcast.